So listen, guys, do you remember how the whale started? I believe so, yeah. The intro of the whale? Yeah. The very first scene the, where we see him? The first- What's he doing? The first shot is like an exteriors and a bus is coming. Mm-hmm. And There's then, that, yes. Mm-hmm. And then there's like a person coming out of the bus and walking. That's, That's right, yeah. But what's the very next scene? Uh, he's watching. Uh, no, he's he's on the class. Uh, is that, is that, that's right. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's a camera, you know, like a, a, like a, a computer screen yeah. mm-hmm. with the, the center blacked out. It says instructor. And he says instructor, and yeah. they are talking about, uh, you know, writing as a way to, you know, effectively communicate. That's right. Yeah. Okay. So, you know what? Actually, the most memorable scene, I think <laughs> we're all uh, kind of skating around here, is uh, mm-hmm. what he's watching. So, here's a little challenge for you guys. Can you guys watch 30 seconds of this? Oh, you mean Thursday? <laughs> there we go. Countdown starting now. Can you guys show this on YouTube? <laughs> we can't. <laughs> is that the Car- actual scene of Carlos? Uh, is not is not even but Carlos is used to this. I'm not faced. <laughs> He's so femme, this guy. Why do you? I don't know? think I've ever watched gay porn before. Never. Really? This is, this is a first for me. Yeah. yeah. Not even on accident? I don't think I've ever... I mean, it used... How do you do it on Guys accident? that click it on accident, that's just, <laughs> yeah, yeah. that's just what they say. Oh, so there are no accidents, I see. <laughs> yeah. All right, oh. so we're past the 30-second mark. Hey, congratulations, everyone. <laughs> yeah. Everybody's pretty What do you think here. we were going to do? There's a dream catcher <laughs> behind them, <laughs> which I appreciate. There's and- a guy wearing a Chicago Bulls uh, cap, and he's a... Uh, he's it's pretty well lit. The thing is pretty well lit. <laughs> God, I don't know. I don't know how you guys do that. Yeah, that's well, you guys. <laughs> Blue Chew wants you to have better sex. Discover your options at bluechew.com. Chew it and do it. And we've got a special deal for our listeners. Try Blue Chew free when you use our promo code SOS at checkout. Just pay five dollars in shipping. That's bluechew.com. Promo code SOS to receive your first month free. Visit bluechew.com for more details and important safety information. And we thank Blue Chew for sponsoring our podcast. Well I guess welcome to another episode of SOS VHS. Um, today we have one of the best uh, producers in town, uh, someone who owes George nothing. <laughs> uh, thank you, Ben, for coming. And we're talking about your favorite movie, The Whale, or one of your favorite movies, which I heard you watch five or six times in the theater. I saw it six times in theaters. I saw it in three, uh, four different states. I yeah. How? How is this? I just was traveling a lot at the time. I saw it in Arkansas, Texas, California, and um, no, I guess three states. Saw it six times, yeah. Right, but how can this movie be one of your favorite movies? That's, I mean, what's there not to love about it? It's a, it's a, I mean, it's a it six hundred pound gay guy. How, how is this uh, one of your of your favorite movies? Because I find all of his filmography pretty depressing and to watch it like six times I think you watch it once and that's that's it Darren Aronofsky you mean yeah Darren Aronofsky I mean I think I assumed you like Aronofsky I, I do like him mm-hmm. but I just find it very intense and like you know dark so I feel like I watch it one time and I, I have it enough you know it, it gets engraved enough in my brain I almost uh, feel like it's like hilarious like it's so sad it's funny which is like a common response like 
a lot of people like we know will have something so sad it's funny so when i watch the whale and like during its like darkest moments i'll just start smiling because it's so bizarre it also and i don't want to offend anyone who like loves this movie but it also feels like um like a sketch of like an a24 movie <laughs> like like what a a24 movie should be like you know exactly yeah no i th i think it's like it's a great movie mm -hmm. i just don't think i could watch it like you did how many times did you see it i've seen it only once i've seen it twice and i think so you actually what drew you to seeing it again um i literally wanted to watch the stuff that maybe i had missed mm -hmm. and i did miss stuff and i like i liked the side characters way more as a result like Mm. especially the missionary character. I was just like fascinated by how weird he was. Yeah. As well, I like the twist in that. It was the way, was this a play before? It was. It was okay. Yeah. That's yeah. I, I didn't know if I was hundred uh, percent correct on that. They actually wrote the script like 10 years ago yeah. and he just, he never could figure out the casting for it, but he, he wrote the script with uh, Samuel, uh, yes, got his name. H. But he, uh, Aronofsky yeah. saw it as a he saw a it as play. a play first, and he mm. thought it was brilliant. Yeah, he was really drawn to it. Yeah, I mean, I could see why. Like, it is like a powerful story. It's, I mean, first of all, it's Brendan Fraser who we haven't seen in a while. Yeah, which in is a like, long, long time, and also it's like completely from Brendan Fraser, because like he usually, I mean, he was always pretty good, but he was like the handsome hero, mm -hmm. uh, you know, the mummy and like. Yeah, blast from the past. George. Yeah, and now suddenly, I mean, he has done some 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 dramatic work. I, I like him in like it's called Gods and Monsters, or is that the title? The one about uh, the making of Frankenstein. Oh, that's right. Yeah, and in Killers of the Flower Moon, he's in. Oh well, yeah, yeah but that's course. after this. Yeah, but yeah, I think I mean I think he's amazing in it. I yeah, I think like I. Th I think Aronofsky saw him on a on I forgot what the movie is like. Uh, it's some Brazilian, yeah. I watched. A, I got the Blu-ray uh -huh. and I watched all the special features last oh, night and watched okay, him talk okay. about this. Yeah, cool, cool. Some so he was some. Uh, us a, a it bit. was some Brazilian indie film. He saw Brendan as a just so he had some cameo in it. Right, and he said he hadn't seen George of the Jungle or any of his other work. That's interesting. Aronofsky, I don't think has seen anything that Brendan's in. He just like thought, okay, well, that's the guy. Well, he does have good energy. I feel like that's like what's drawn, to, like you're drawn to that. Like Brendan Fraser feels like a, I don't know, like there's something about him where you would just, if you were a director, wouldn't you want to work with him? Or something? I think it's, he has this thing within him that uh, you needed for a character like Charlie, mm. which is that, um, like that inner, that like stellar spark of the soul. Mm. Like all the way deep down within that darkness, there is this uh, fire. And that's, I think that's what Brendan kind of has. I love and he that. Is, and also, Brendan is like a wounded guy. Yeah. In oh, terms yeah. of his, his, uh, his personal life. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah, pretty So many injuries. For, yeah. And his voice is like that. People make fun of it, but he's had surgery on it. And right. Things like that. Yeah. Yeah. And I think I, I remember Aronofsky saying that there there's multiple actors who could emotionally do this role, mm -hmm. but he wanted someone who was a little hungry because... I mean, you need to go through four hours of makeup every day. Yeah. Uh, you know, you want someone who's going to be in for the ride. It's like a lawn, yeah. you know, like doing six weeks of shooting. Uh, yeah. it, it becomes it becomes daunting, you know, to have to do that every day. So you want someone hungry who had something to prove. And, mm -hmm. No pun intended. 
Yeah. No pun intended. Absolutely. <laughs> right, right. Everybody thought he actually gained the... I mean, this is how dumb everybody is. They actually thought that's how fat he was. Yeah. Which is insane. It would kill him <laughs> yeah. if you just yeah. gained if that out of 650 nowhere. pounds. That's, yeah, because yeah. he is pretty... Uh, I mean, he has gained so much weight from like his jungle joke. From yeah, yeah. But, but he was like cutting so hard even then to get down to that weight. Right. He wasn't right. naturally like that. He right. he said back then he was starving himself to to look like that. No right. one can naturally look like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's you know. the you know. Yeah, the you have to start, stories yeah. in Troy and all yeah, all those people who train so hard to do this one role and then. And they all have to smoke cigarettes, by the way. It's not healthy. They do? Yeah, yeah, all those actors to stay in, in shape. such good shape. Yeah, you have to smoke cigarettes. Oh, yeah, to get rid of your hunger, for sure. You, you throw up, you smoke cigarettes. That's how models look so good. You know? Yeah. That's... <laughs> I literally will do that. Like, when, well, Are you like, smoking and throwing up? No, but I've, I've, um, if I don't want to eat, I'll like smoke weed or start jeweling. Yeah, that's what you should do. Yeah, and I'm like, oh, it's like gone for like an hour. And then you can pass out on an airport. Oh, yeah. Oh, ben, there was an issue <laughs> last week at LAX with me. I had a whale-like issue. I left... Do you have uncontrollable like binge eating issues? <laughs> no, What's nothing it? like that, but I had an issue where my blood pressure was so high, I fainted at LAX. <laughs> that's so funny. It was, yeah, it was crazy. Was it in line at TSA? You just fainted? No, it was right after. I'm pre-checked, so I got through quick. <laughs> nice. A little flex real quick. <laughs> uh, but... It cost $50. <laughs> yeah, $80 for five years. <laughs> yeah. It's funny. It was like my first time in the Delta Club, and I was like, of course, I'm here with paramedics. I saw yeah. like all these hot girls walking by. I'm getting my blood pressure checked out. I'm Please like, oh. help. I know. Okay, so... Uh, I thought you is... were going to tell me you choked on like a meatball sub in Terminal <laughs> Oh, my uh, God. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. I thought that's literally what you were about to That'd tell That'd be me. insane. And then this little Asian just jumping on your back. Yeah. <laughs> I think what the... One of the things that made this movie fascinating to me is like, I, I've seen a lot of plays becoming movies mm -hmm. and usually they are not super cinematic, especially when they keep that on one location thing. Mm -hmm. But I think like this movie felt from the beginning, it never felt like a play to me. I mean, there is a lot of dialogue, but it felt that, you know, the way that they orchestrated the blocking and like camera moves and all of that felt pretty cinematic. Great dolly shots. The, yeah. The, and all that stuff was synced to a T the way yeah. Darren wanted it, the way people were coming in exactly. and that was moving. and it's, it's beautiful and it's pretty classic because, I mean, he he has energy. He I mean, he did obviously Pie and Requiem for a Dream. Yeah. Which mm -hmm. is like had this like crazy energy. I think they and call it back then. a different edit. Yeah, yeah, hip hop editing. Yeah, they call yeah. it like those montages that go so yeah. so fast with the drugs. Even the wrestlers, like it's just like I was thinking about the wrestler while watching this, and I was trying to see the similarities. And I'm like, okay, they're both like sad, like older men, like going through a huge change. But I, I would think like this this movie in his filmography probably the closest is the wrestler. But the wrestler is a more cinema verite exactly. type of like documentary. This feels more classic. But even, oh. I even had to ask you, wait, was this a play? Because I, I thought I had read that somewhere, but um, just because it's in one location, it still looks so good that you forget that, yeah. oh, this would be perfect for a play. Because he's 650 pounds or something, why would he leave this location? Of course, like it makes sense. I think like the, the idea, I mean, they build the set with this couch in the in the middle. There's so many stories that have been told, you know, and we never get to hear this guy's story. Right. Because mm. he's ugly and he's a freak. Yeah. And uh, he's disgusting. 
And nobody ever tells a story about a guy who, you know, uh, yeah, very difficult to sy- sym- sympathize. Like at least at mm-hmm. the beginning, you come into this movie, it's like, oh, it's a movie about this person. I have nothing in common with this guy, right? Mm-hmm. And, and that's why I think it's fascinating that then slowly you get to. He's like a liar. Know too. him, and then it's like, okay, well, that's well, that's kind of the thing I really like about the film is every single character is a liar. Mm. They're all like lying to each other or lying to themselves. Every single character, yeah, all I the like way down the line, they're gnarly to each other. I like the daughter, the hilarious. pizza guy. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> what a oh my god, he's such an asshole. He's so weird. <laughs> but even the missionary, I'm like, he's oh, this is so but bizarre. with the pizza guy, wouldn't you do the same? I mean, if it's, if you're doing this every day. You're leaving the pizzas there, right? Like in knocking on the door and you hear this you would voice. You do what he did? That's crazy what he did. <laughs> Eventually you said, wait a second. Who is in there? That's the <laughs> only character that had no depth to me. Right. Because he mean, sees a 600. Who do you think was there? He delivered pizzas to this guy every day for years. There, you know, the, there's this voice inside. What does he think? A guy who looks like Ryan Gosling <laughs> is going to come walking out to get the pizza? That's fair. <laughs> Yeah, that's fair. I don't think he was expecting Ryan Gosling, but I think this curiosity built up, you know, through because they did a good job with the expectation of like because he yeah. knocks every time, mm-hmm. you know. Then he talks to him, he talks back, mm-hmm. and eventually, you know, that's something. It almost feels like that this suspense because it's a pretty suspenseful movie, not being a thriller, you know. Oh yeah, uh, it has that that eerie feeling that oh something bad is gonna happen yeah yeah it's like a countdown of life basically right like you're very afraid of like his health the whole time yeah the tension is high in it yeah and to me there's a lot of crazy things too in the in this film that things that have to do with the u.s like mm. the fact that he can he doesn't want to go to the doctor because it's gonna cost him money this film wouldn't work in europe right it wouldn't he would just go get uh there's no way oh, the ambulance yeah. wouldn't go there. There's yeah. not going to be bills uh, mm-hmm. that you cannot pay. You know, that that is for a foreigner watching is like, that's such a US specific mm. thing that I always, I have a pet pit with, with that one issue in the US of like, wait a second, like people work all their lives and then they cannot go to the doctor because anyway, I think that's yeah. crazy. But it's one of those things that is like, okay. Uh, and then he's saving all this money. He's like, oh, I don't do anything. I just work. And I mean, he has $120,000, which is a lot of money, but it's also- In 2016. For all his life working and that's what, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's like, oh, you know, it's very, it's just depressing. It's like, he's he's gay and and had a hard life with that. His boyfriend kills himself. He lives in a shitty part of the United States. Yeah. (laughs) Where nothing matters at all. And it's just gray. And yeah, he loves it. He yeah. left his daughter. He's like, wait a second. Like, and they have those humor part of like a little bit of like that humanity that makes it a little lighter at the point because it's like, holy, mm-hmm. you know, that's what I'm saying. Like, it's like watching Wrecking for a Gym. I watch it once and I don't, I don't need to watch it again. I'm mm-hmm. like already depressed. Mm-hmm. You know, oh, yeah. life that's is already hard enough. Movie. Give me, you know, something. I went so deep into this film. Yeah. I, I even read, I read Moby Dick by Herman Melville. Mm. Wow. Yeah. I, I've, I have read, Moby Dick as part of school like back in the day and I mm-hmm. but I thought because a lot of the metaphors with the sea and the whale and the even the sound effects and the music sound like a lot, there's a little bit of a sea mm-hmm. oh uh, yeah I mean the, the I think the movie is a direct metaphor from so what's interesting about you know Moby Dick it's it kind of takes uh, it's three parts really it's, right uh, 
It starts as, as this really funny buddy comedy mm. between this guy named Ishmael and Queequeg. Okay. And Queequeg is like this cannibal. And they're uh, both, you know, taking off from the East Coast to go whaling. And uh, Ishmael is, is new to this whole thing. And Queequeg is great with a spear. And they just keep hearing about this guy named Captain Ahab. He's the captain of their ship. And there's this like legend behind the guy, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's really, really funny for the first like 100, 120 pages. Then it starts getting really weird. It starts going and Ishmael starts explaining uh, these descriptions of whales. It turns into like this academic journal. It goes on yeah. for page after page describing the, the boring 40 parts. to 50 whales. Yeah, yeah. Which she describes as the boring parts to <laughs> save us from the author's own uh, boring story or whatever. <laughs> sad story. Sad story. Yeah, yeah. 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 Um, but there's also like it turns into a stage play at some point. Where there's like stage direction and there's like music, it's it gets really really weird, and then the third act, it all is about Captain yeah, Ahab, movie. and Ishmael yeah. kind of disappears for a bit in this mm-hmm. whole story, and Captain Ahab <clears throat> is this guy who he wants to find the this whale, and the reason he wants to find this whale is it took its le- his leg, yeah, and so they 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 you know they're sailing forever in the middle of nowhere, and they'll pass a ship and he'll shout, you know, have you seen Moby Dick? Have you seen the white whale? And they go. You know, we heard rumor of him here. We heard rumor of him there. And all Captain Ahab wants to do is find this whale. And it's so it's so tragic. At one point, Captain Ahab throws his pipe in the water. He goes, what is the point of enjoying anything if I can't? You know, he's... This, yeah. He, <clears throat> so, Obsess. if you... And then if you watch the whale, you realize Ellie is Captain Ahab. And she thinks that... Uh, she doesn't realize that this... Her father is uh, controlling her utterances. Right. The whale is like this representation of the the unconscious mind. Mm. She thinks she's in control, but she's not. She, uh, yeah, her father and the actions he yeah. had against her in his past is driving her utterances. She doesn't have any control over her own life. Right. And she, she realizes uh, through reading Moby Dick that she goes, oh, Captain Ahab thinks he will be happy if he can just kill this well, but well, no. he, he doesn't realize it will do nothing for him. Right. And, she doesn't realize it's a song. I think that's why the essay kind of cuts off because she starts to realize all these things through this right, myth that like, she read. Mm-hmm. So, and then even the, by the way, the way the camera even kind of moves around him in the apartment, it feels like a ship. Mm. Yeah. The whole thing feels like a ship yeah, circling so cool. him. It's really, really weird. It's, uh, I love that because she, she, to me, like, she she circles him around right like and mm-hmm. then he is so uncomfortable mm-hmm. in those shots of like him like trying to turn around mm-hmm. uh but yeah i i think i mean it's, it's like she's hunting him she's exactly and it's really here's what i really like about it too first of all there's not really a hero of the story obviously charlie's supposed to be like the hero right. or whatever he's the protagonist but he's not the hero yeah no one really seems to we're not really sure if Ellie, his daughter, is like evil or not. He keeps choosing to see the good in her. Right. Mm-hmm. But she's posting on Facebook like pictures of like dead dogs and stuff. Right. Oh, she's just. The grease fire joke <laughs> made me laugh. She's really so funny. Much. Yeah, she's yeah. Funny. She really is hilarious. She's cruel, but in, a, in this sense of like that, you know that something is inside that mm. she needs to get out, you know, like she. She's and, like a millennial because she's not Gen Z, right? Because it's 2016. And then, right, she, she posted the the missionary like a uh, uh, guy like smoking, and that to you know that gets him in trouble, but also saves him. And the dad decides to look. Oh no, he's 
she's just trying to help him. Mm-hmm. But like, which is like very dumb in that doubtful. moment. Is that just showing how dumb that character is? Because <laughs> she was trying to like ruin his life, and he flipped it immediately. Yeah, I don't it, think she's just thinking that far away of like ruining her life. But definitely, he she's fucking with him. She's yeah, a little stinker. It's just right. like chaos. Yeah, I I don't think her intention was like I hope this gets him help eventually. Right. No. <laughs> yeah, it's it's it's. Ha- I don't know how you're supposed to interpret it because you're like, is this a person who's living in hell who's trying to drag another person down? <laughs> yeah. Down into the flames with her. I had you know, empathy yeah. for her, though because of her father. Yeah. And also, like, you see her suffering, right? Like there's, her life is not. I mean, she's only 17 or whatever, she's yeah. or 16, and she's not, you know, she's not there. She's she's having troubles at school, family. You know yeah. that her life is not going well. So through this relationship, I mean, there's a little bit of hope at the end, at least for her, mm. I feel. At least I decide to look at that, that, that final moments like that because if not, there's nothing to grasp on this so movie. So I, I took like, my mom to see the movie. So, yeah. you know, I was raised really conservative Christian as well mm-hmm. in, okay. in West Texas. So like in which Where in West Texas, uh, uh, I ended up in Abilene, but we moved all over West Texas in the Panhandle. Oh, so, so I know I grew yeah. up in Texas. I've never been to the Panhandle. Yeah, it's a whole other place. Yeah, it's that big hat. It's that yeah. big uh, strip of never nothing. Been, yeah, I've yeah. never been there. That's wild. So big of a state. I've never <laughs> been to like forty percent. It's of it. well. It's just. It's funny when people say that because it's like it's someone going like, "Yeah, I live in the uh, landfill by LAX," and someone goes, "You know what's crazy? I've never been to the landfill." <laughs> yes, I never. I don't think I've been there. Yeah, think of I, it. Is that yeah, of course a real you place. have. It. Yeah. I'm so glad we are sponsored by Blue Chew. I think like sex is one of those things, and we 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 have talk about blue chew a couple times here uh also on bad friends and it's it's one of those things that i feel europeans talk about it more freely than americans i mean you are an exception yeah <laughs> i think it's just like more of a natural thing that if uh, how you know talking about sex and like if someone has any sort I of see. like issues they just they don't feel ashamed about it yeah blue chew is a great great uh service yeah. for you know those people who have some sort of issues we both know people who have issues and who have taken blue chew and have like you know their lives have improved significantly not only oh, in yeah. the bedroom but outside oh yeah of course uh just because of the confidence it gives you once you know exactly yeah like the next day or even like leading up you won't be nervous um but i'll just say that blue chew is a unique online service that delivers the same ingredients as viagra cialis and levitra but in chewable tablets and at a fraction of the cost and you can take it anytime day or night so you can plan ahead or be ready whenever an opportunity arises. The process is so simple. You sign up at bluechew.com, consult with one of their licensed medical providers, and once you're approved, you'll receive your prescription within days. Within days? The best part, it's all done online. Right. No doctor's office, business, you know, no, no, you don't have to wait online. Yeah, no awkward conversations. Exactly. Bluechew wants to help you have better sex. Discover your options at bluechew.com. Chew it and do it. And we've got a special deal for our listeners. Try Blue Chew free when you use our promo code SOS at checkout. Just pay $5 in shipping. That's bluechew.com, promo code SOS to receive your first month free. Visit bluechew.com for more details and important safety information. And we thank Blue Chew for sponsoring our podcast. I'm so glad that Factor is in our lives. Like, you know, (sighs) I have a one-year-old and the last year I haven't cooked more than a couple times is so so difficult i have time for nothing when i'm home baby screaming i'm hungry don't know what to do you introduced me to factor 
amazing. Put I, it in the microwave, two, minute, two minutes, and done. And it's, you know, healthy, have so many choices, it's delicious. I'm so, so happy. It has improved my life significantly. Oh, a million percent. I'm very impressed with uh, Factor. Factor's delicious, ready-to-eat meals make eating better every day easy. Wherever tomorrow takes you, be ready with pre-prepared, chef-crafted, and dietitian approved meals delivered right to your door. You'll have over 35 different options a week. That's a lot. 35, I, I know. You'll have 35 different options a week to choose from, including keto, calorie-smart, vegan, vegan and veggie and more mm -hmm. and there's even more to enjoy with over 55 nutrition packed add-ons that help you make your weekly meal planning even more delicious what are you waiting for get it started today and have a feel-good week of meals ready to go i like the two-minute meals fuel up fast with factors restaurant quality meals that are ready to heat and eat whenever you are that happens to me a lot 11 o'clock i gotta eat yeah good. you have snacks smoothies breakfast anything so guys head to factormeals.com slash sosvhs50 and use code sosvhs50 to get 50 percent off that's code sosvhs50 at factormeals.com slash SOS VHS 50 to get 50% off. Look, guys, yeah. we use Factor. It has greatly benefited our eating at night, lunches, and when we're not at work. I really enjoy it, and it's improved my life greatly, just being able to cook that fast. Um, also, have a, having a microwavable meal that is delicious and healthy is, is rare, so use Factor. Is, I, I mean, to me, it has, has saved my life. So, <laughs> were you uh, uh, the missionary type of guy? Yeah. So, you would, wow. Yeah. Well, especially the family, um, the family dynamic of all of these people, because they all feel like strangers, and that's kind of how. And by the way, I'm not saying any before any comments <laughs> say I'm not saying any of this like boo hoo. I feel sorry for myself. Right. This is all interesting to me. I don't. No, I don't feel bad. I'm starting my own family. I'm having a baby in like two weeks. Oh, I don't. Whoa. Congratulations. congratulations. Thank you. I'm hoping it's mine. Yeah. Um, uh, no, my wife is like 32 weeks pregnant right now. So she's. Oh, I thought you were 32% sure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, I'm, I'm totally, I'm not a guy who holds on to this stuff. This, but this is, what it, this is what it felt like growing up. It felt like we were all strangers in the house. Mm. And we were all Christian and we all. Is like hardcore, hardcore conservative Christian. No dancing, no um, instruments in the church, no clapping. Everyone was going to hell except for our sect. Okay, right. so it was like one degree removed from like you know juggling like rattlesnakes and shit. Right. Okay. Wow. So that's the context. Is I came from a similar background as the uh, missionary in this yeah. movie, right? And uh, all the characters felt like my family in a weird way because everybody lacks the same thing that and so no one can give the th other thing no one can give the thing to the other person that they need because they themselves lack right. lack it so it's like all these people are like these missing they're like all they all have like, the same missing piece mm -hmm. and they're all they go do you have and no one has it the the his nurse is an enabler right uh lying to herself uh, Charlie's clearly lying to himself about, uh, you know, his entire life. None of what he's doing is selfless. He just wants to kill himself <laughs> right. and feel better about why he's killing himself. Yeah. And, uh, you know, taking advantage of all these people in his life. Uh, his ex-wife is an alcoholic, right? Yeah. Ellie is obviously is so glaringly uh, lying to herself about her entire life mm -hmm. and why she's miserable. Yeah. 
um, the missionary kid is literally lying to people about who he is. Right. <laughs> he stole some money. He's trying to, you know, yeah. overcome that by like lying. And so here, yeah. so here's what I kind of realized rewatching the movie again. This is probably like my ninth time. Wow. Is the movie takes place Monday through Friday? Yeah. And at the big, so at the beginning of the movie, I have the here. I have the direct quote because I, I don't want to. I'm not a guy who can like remember exact quotes, right? Uh, but uh, he says at the beginning of the movie when he's talking to everybody, which is weirdly like the audience. To the class, yeah. He's talking to the class. He's like talking to the audience. But uh, it's like a call to action to the world is like a call to action to yourself. It's very strange. He says, remember, the more you revise these essays, the better. The more you change, chances are you'll express your thoughts and ideas more clearly and persuasively. Mm -hmm. So he starts to become more honest. Now, what's he here's what's interesting about the... The play taking place Monday through Friday, each day feels like another draft. Right. Mm. He gets yeah. closer and closer to rewriting his life, getting to, uh, to a more honest place. The thing, uh, the whole damn movie is very writer centric. It's coming from the place of, uh, it's coming from the point of view of a writer. Charlie himself is a. Not really. He doesn't really. He isn't really like a writer, he's a, he's but he's an, an academic. Teacher, <laughs> There's like, a lot about literature. Yeah. You know, so. Uh, I found that interesting. And to answer your first question, by the way, mm -hmm. about what because <clears throat> what attracted me to the movie, yeah, because I've always loved um, uh, like very gross, big, disgusting, like fat people and like weird, like <laughs> morbid things on the internet. I've always been. Uh, you don't Curious. know why these things, right? Like why you're attracted com. attracted to these things? Yeah, just like anytime I saw like a freak in public. And you know what I mean by freak, not someone who's like, uh, you know, I'm not, I don't see a guy in a wheelchair and I'm like, oh, look at that. Yeah. But yeah. like, you know what I mean? When you see someone where you're like, oh my God, they've, by their own volition, they've completely destroyed themselves. Yeah. Right. Like, I can't help but, I can't help but look. Like I 600 pound life kind of I love my 600 pound yes, so life. There's yeah. a whole, dude, there's a whole world. Yeah. There's a whole <laughs> market behind can, people that just want to stare at these people like a it's a pt barnum thing in modern yeah. day but you can also laugh at people who are just themselves who are funny looking like they yeah did, you yeah, can yeah <laughs> I, I was walking in i think louisville and i saw a dwarf and i i, I started laughing my friend pointed at the dwarf <laughs> <laughs> and then the dwarf looked up and i i kind of sped walked away that's funny but they, I mean, they didn't like do that to themselves. They were just normal, <laughs> right? Freakies. God, Carlos, <laughs> that's that's a great trait of your personality, Carlos. Thank you for sharing. Yeah, I saw a midget. I, yeah. I saw a gay guy once, and I thought it was funny. Uh, but uh, I was wondered, I was wondered why I th was so interested in in, mm -hmm. in people like this. And then I was reading this book by uh, Osamu Desai. He's a Japanese writer. Mm. Look. I don't want to make everything American here. I want to make things international for you, right, Andres. Right, right. Thank you. <laughs> uh, he's, a, he's one of the most famous Japanese writers. He wrote two books and he killed himself. Uh, and all of his books are I novels, uh, meaning that uh, it, it's always a story, but the story was basically his own life. It's, it's not autobiographical, but it's like it's basically yeah, him. It's a guy who's an alcoholic who like jumps into a bridge and like mm. jumps off a bridge and drowns himself. So, but this one is is a short novella he wrote called No Longer Human. And it's a diary that someone finds. And in it, he says, uh, there are some people whose dread of human beings is so morbid that they reach a point where they yearn to see with their own eyes monsters of ever more horrible shapes. Wow. And as soon as I read that, I was like, that's it. 
Yeah. That's why and that's why I went to see the whale seven like six times in the theaters. And I've seen it like four times right. after that. What well, cities what cities did you see it? See I it? saw it in Fayetteville, Arkansas. I saw it in uh, Dallas, Texas, and I saw it in various places in California. Did people laugh at any points in different places? Oh, I mean I was standing up and going, ha! <laughs> ah, he's joking. Yes. <laughs> Fuck him. <laughs> 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 uh, some so some viewings were just guys like me yeah weird loner yeah. <laughs> like school shooter guys just yeah. sitting in the corner and like we had all we all were pretending we didn't see each other at other showings of the whale <laughs> right. oh my god that's like so your good. secret nod yeah <laughs> you see him at the burbank gun club oh hey <laughs> it was things like that and then like also i took my i took my mother and my father to see it and, uh, you know, they're very Christian and whatnot, but uh, they could, you know, so my dad walks out, he's like, a lot of bad words. And then my, <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. And then my mom, my mom at the end of the movie, she goes, she goes, so when he looked up and like he, he saw the light. So God. No, she goes, does that mean that like he didn't think he was gay anymore and that he went to <laughs> It's so And I was oh, like, well, it, you know, it's an ambiguous ending and it's open to many interpretations. Yeah. So maybe, yeah, he when he stood up, he decided he wasn't gay <laughs> for it's some so, reason. But it's so interesting that you're on, you know, you put so much of your own thing and everything you mm -hmm. see. Well, yeah, yeah especially- uh, uh, my mom really want like really was crying the whole movie she was rooting for this guy she felt so bad for him right he's in so much pain he's in so much pain that's the the reality is like I think you have empathy for him because despite the fact that he's doing this to himself he has a tragic I mean he's Look, first he abandoned his daughter. So for for uh, he abandoned his life. Yeah, yeah. Insane. For, yeah. for love, but really like I mean. I understand like that you would leave your wife because you discover you're gay or you know you're gay and fine. Uh, yeah. But now your daughter and never you know, eight years or yeah, whatever. Like at least hang out with her. Like now you can buy her like cool shit. Now that, you like, can dress her yeah, properly. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Clearly Charlie feels so much shame that yeah. as right. soon as he did what he did, he didn't even want to see his loved ones anymore. Right. You know, people like that will often uh you know, just, just hide. Once people like, especially like depending on whatever, like sort of mental disorder you have, like if it's BPD or like narcissism or something like that, like when they're found out, when the veal falls, mm. yeah. uh, they will often go completely silent and then they might disappear from your life. Yeah. That's so dark. And that's kind of what Charlie did. And now he's circling back, trying to make amends before he dies. Right. It, Especially it, so he can like give her the money and like I feel think, good about being, you know. Yeah, there's a little bit of a, that a total looking pig. for that redemption, at, and, you know, at least on his last week on earth. But also like the fact that, I mean, obviously his, his lover, friend, partner uh, kills himself. Yeah. Yeah. Because of all this religion and this guilt and all of that. And then the, the, his way of grieving is like destroying himself, right? Mm -hmm. Like, which is a very, I mean, I imagine that there's th things that happen to people like that, they destroy themselves too, but yeah. feels like such torture to himself, right? Because like they have those moments in the movie where you see him eating that is really, I mean, it is hard to watch. Yeah, I think people uh, like to self-destruct when things like, like, it's so hard to like rise from ashes or whatever, yeah. like through any like death in the family, divorce, whatever. 
So it's like I can. T- this is like the worst case scenario. Yeah, it's a different type of drug because you could have seen him like going, you know, alcoholic or getting into any other other sort of drugs. Oh yeah. He goes into food, which I think <laughs> it just kills you differently, and and and. He should have been like in San Francisco or something, where it's like he could have had people come be like it's okay baby and like yeah they go yeah. down to the war <laughs> yeah it, it's like he wouldn't have gained weight yeah they go down, it's like you know he could have taken Ozempic and like gone out to clubs and stuff like yeah mm-hmm. where were you you know I, I you could have helped him you could have helped him a lot I, I in 2016 I, I was watching the same stuff he was watching on TV that's right yeah. Yeah. but also like the part of the of the country he's in, right? Also, he's in Idaho. He's a, the Midwest, yeah. right? So yeah. It, it has a little more of a right. If he was in San Francisco, he was in a bigger city. Yeah, a lot of the problems that social problems he had, he wouldn't have had. Yeah. Idaho has a lot from. of extremists too. Not to be like, I know people are calling me a cuck now, but you know, <laughs> look, right. I, if you haven't lived in a place where you can't find like-minded people, it is it's very lonely. I it is very lonely. very lonely. You have to go to a place that might suck where there are other pe- versions of people that suck that you've never met to find a small percentage of people that kind of mm-hmm. kick ass. That, yeah, and yeah. that you connect with. It's, but it's, it's kind of my belief that like 95% of all groups suck ass. <laughs> and it's up to you to find the 5% within that group that don't suck. Mm. Right. So Yeah, I, I, I think like that's for everybody and that's why like even if you were, you know, there's something inside you. Because like they say that a personality is like 30% is your DNA, 30% is your social context but then there's a 30% that is you cannot qualify and that's why like you can you know be the son of your parents and living in that very conservative environment and still not fit in yeah because whatever reason you have a voice saying like oh well if I'm following Jesus's teachings none of this <laughs> matches up with Jesus's teaching yeah. in terms of the hatred of other people the moment you qu- start questioning that I mean, leads to another thing leads to another idea leads to another idea learns into stumbling into other people reading certain books Right. Slowly, you just drift off of the. the, uh, I mean, you get in your own little life vessel, and you get off that ship completely. Right. And you're. It feels like being excommunicated. Once you leave a a church environment like that, it's it's really tough. It feels like you're you're dead. Right. And especially to to the community, like you know, you're never. Yes. But here's so here's the here's what people don't typically talk about with instances like that is so you're you you grow up conservative Christian and then you leave that environment and you have to, you know, uh, build a new life for yourself, find new people, right. uh, find a new way to live. Uh, but you only have the tools that you were given within the church. Mm-hmm. Right. So this is what Charlie is doing to in, in, in my opinion. He starts misinterpreting the crucifixion in the way that I've seen a lot of Christians misinterpret it. That, uh, and this is where Buddhism is a little bit more successful than Christianity because Buddha goes through all these different ways where he's trying to figure out how to be enlightened. And he goes, ah, no, that one's bullshit. Uh, you know, I right. shouldn't starve right. myself. I shouldn't do that. That's bullshit. Right. Mm-hmm. And then he finally figures out how to be enlightened under the Bodhi tree and, and whatever, right? Mm-hmm. I've seen a lot of Christians misinterpret the crucifixion as saying, oh, the path to enlightenment is through suffering. And you have to suffer. And it's through pain. And that is what Charlie is doing to himself. But since he is such a, he's very, very intelligent. He's very good at lying to himself. Right. So, you know, when you're overeating and binge eating like that, you go, well, I have to eat. I mean, is this really, you know. It seems grandiose though, his sort of like, woe is me, like, 
oh, if uh, the path to enlightenment is suffering, I'm going to suffer so bad. I'm going to gain yeah. 600 pounds. It just seems so selfish. I have and- people very close like uh, close to me like that. It's very frustrating. Oh, really? It's so very frustrating. When they're going through a hard time, they like make it harder on themselves. Yes, and this is the thing that they that they can't accept that here's here's the really really hard pill for those guys to swallow Mm -hmm. is the people that hate themselves that much they don't realize how much uh narcissism oh it goes into that right because they go well i just i just hate myself i'm like well it sounds like you think about yourself all All the the time time. a million percent all you do is think about yourself and maybe you need some sort of a break from yourself right and you could do that by you know, thinking about someone else's wants or needs. Right, it's a paradox that, and I feel like that that's what he, Charlie is trying to do in the movie, you know, at least at this moment, he reaches out to his daughter, he talks to his wife. I mean, he's trying to at least yeah. put those pieces together before, before the end of his life. Because also like he has a very, strange relationship with the nurse he's a mass and, manipulator man yeah I mean, think about it he's manipulating everybody, everybody around him right whether he knows it or not yeah it's like a it's his personal he's a charming i mean despite the fact of being kind of a monster he's a charming guy he mm-hmm. gets ellie in with a massive amount of money he right doesn't get her in he, because she wants to reconnect right he knows that's not gonna like work. complete bribery but now now that once she's here now he can maybe start it's manipulating her a little him. more and and getting in there and getting forgiveness you know right I mean, he has a, a thing, I hope it's an honest moment and not just pure manipulation at the end when he's like, hey, I feel so, so ashamed that I couldn't, you know. That I couldn't stand. That I couldn't, yeah. Yeah. So, I That is know. an honest <laughs> moment, but it's also a woe is me moment again. Like, there yeah. were so many opportunities where you could have gotten help and like him, like not spending the money on medical services and saving it for this manipulation of his daughter is like complete self-destruction. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Also what he's doing to this poor woman who's like, you know, he, I think also she has to be some sort of masochist to coming back. I mean, she feels guilty. Her brother, this is the mm. person who, who was closest to her brother and maybe have like that, that happy moments. Mm-hmm. But still like she goes back every day there for more. And, th- yeah. and that is pretty... People, yeah, dark people that aren't willing to make like any sort of uh, emotional sacrifice. Yeah. Typically, they want to throw money at their problems when everybody else is like, "No, we don't really care about your money. We kind of want you to just say, like, I'm. We want you to be a human being, actually. Right, right. Mm. How about you be a human being and treat me like a human being? Yeah, I don't want your fucking money. In fact, it's patronizing. Yeah, and it's true. Yeah. It's true. A lot of it's it's that it's Bobby. <laughs> when he gives, when he, gives, he gives me a hundred dollars to go buy uh, right. tobacco, and he's like, "Keep it." <laughs> um, some some people have that instinct of yeah. solving problems with money, and some of them are solved, but other ones doesn't matter how much money you Mm-mm. have. Um, one thing that I thought, like, so the first time that this guy stands up, you know, and I, I think, <laughs> <laughs> so. Which is the uh, apoth- apoth- what is the word apotheosis of the, right. the film is a as a fat guy stood up right but I thought it's the climax of the film because until that moment if the movie is very it's a very drama like it feels yeah. like and at that moment to me it switches genres to horror there is something about and. There's the leg no, coming down, like that shot. When he stands up and is this, you know, the camera starts moving for the first time, these low and lower angles. And obviously Aronofsky knows horror and yeah. this is not a direct horror movie, but it feels, it's a scary moment. It is, it is, I thought 
the movie kept it very interesting mm -hmm. with his struggle in this house and how to me like I went through all this emotion you know it's a, an emotional roller coaster watching the it watching this crazy. movie especially how good is that guy rob uh simonson with the score oh once mm -hmm. he once so once the binge eating starts that's when you first have like rhythm for the first right time. oh my so it starts God. coming in i think he used these like big long like didgeridoo looking flutes. when those little like montages start with them eating it's like it, it's really horrible <laughs> but also very interesting you know you, you want to keep watching when he's making like barbecue chip <laughs> sandwiches with oh. jelly and oh. Oh my squirting. god! I got, I never could figure out if he was putting ranch on the pizza or mayonnaise. I think it's ranch. <laughs> yeah, I think it's ranch. I, yeah. But a lot of people suspect it's mayonnaise. I really? want to vomit like, when I see that. You so, know? so we do have some uh, some pizza. If you guys want to try uh, pizza the whale style, for, I for love ben. ben. Ben said like he watched it nine times. So I think this is the real so, reason. All right. He Here's will. the other thing too. I love <laughs> binge eating. That is a thing about me. Like I will have periods of time, and like that's you know people say they have you know, problems with binge eating. Everybody has problems with binge eating. Mm. But I mean it. it is especially as I mean, a sober person i don't smoke weed i don't i don't uh, cigarettes no beer all of that's gone it's out of my life now so the only thing i have such left a, how right. long are you sober six years oh wow wow that's awesome yeah, yeah. oh hey. i don't think i was an alcoholic i just uh i be, I become <laughs> I mean, <laughs> this is so good i'm not an alcoholic i just become very obsessed with things so like i, I can't even have zevia in my house because if i have 12 of them i have one and i go okay let's have another okay let's have another okay let's have another i, I let's have another i, well, I, the same I way, have but... a i think that's something that bond us is like that kind it's of like obsessive personality <laughs> okay so we're gonna do uh go out, two Andre. slice it's two slices of ham <laughs> On top of the pepperoni pizza. Okay. That, then you pour the ranch, right? And then you moment. fold the top of it down a little bit to kind of create a little, I know little anyone, sandwich. I know anyone watching is like, oh, does Ben have no respect for himself? It's like, <laughs> this is like fun for me. Now, this is, it says for Ben on the, on the <laughs> post. Nobody touches this meat. It's and, for Ben. And usually I don't do processed meat, but uh, here we go. There we go. So there's one. I mean, he orders two large pizzas Insane. and eats them in a second. I know, right? And in that moment, to me, is like because I was like, it <laughs> freaks me out, man. Right? I love pizza. You know, I yeah. love. There we go. But so then he puts ranch on it, and like then this? he folds like it a, like yeah. a sandwich, like and then he does like get New it York in faster. Style. Yeah, and he folds the folds the top of it you know, down a little bit. Is I wanted to try to do this at home, <laughs> right? And you, you just. <laughs> didn't want to have to do it so then he kind of folds it like yeah the the top he kind of folds <laughs> like this yeah yeah just like a little yeah it's like a little sand and then he just bites <laughs> into it. that is <laughs> this is a viral <laughs> if you say that this is delicious you Dude, might I, have a i kind of get it <laughs> <laughs> what if this is the beginning of me of now the whale, whale. <laughs> Yeah, don't. Like, beware men who fight monsters that you do not become one. Right. <laughs> wow. Oh, man. I love whale maxing. This is what I call whale maxing. Mm. When I go out, sometimes, look. You just let yourself. You got to go a little uh, crazy sometimes to keep from going insane. Do you have a so sweet I'll go tooth? Out, I'll go too? to a restaurant. And I'll just like, I'll literally like 3,500 calories worth of Indian food. That's what wow. I think. Wow. <laughs> wow. I'll I eat a butter chicken, two oars of veggie samosas. I'll eat those little cracker things. I'll eat a tikka masala. I mean, you're very tall rice. too. Like, I think you can say, you yeah. can handle. Like four, yeah. Right, you you can handle more. I mean, 
I don't need that much. I just like. <laughs> wow, I'm so happy. Do you like sweets? Is that you like sneaker bars and things like like he is? Yeah, maybe? I just like eating stuff. Everything. Yeah. No, I'm like I'm also like I'm not that smart. So right when it comes to food, I'm like oh dude, it's, I'm like there's bread and like cheese. Okay. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like, also, I grew where I grew up. Like right. Yeah. Especially eating my mom's. No offense, my mother, but like her <laughs> cooking. You know, I never had a soft cookie one day in my life. <laughs> the chicken was always burnt. I mean. You know, granted, my father was never helping out, so my mother was doing everything. everything. But, I mean, I just everything I ate tasted like utter shit. Right. I so, hated my so, mom's cooking. Yeah. The worst. One I wanted question. Wendy's. Every day, my mom be like, "Yeah, I forgot," and then it burnt, and then yeah. she just puts it in front of us. Yeah, I just right. want McDonald's or Wendy's. That's all I ate growing up. I was like, or Mexican food. I was right. like, I'm not eating your food. It, like, we're good. So, <laughs> when 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 was that moment for you where you say, "Okay, I'll I'll take the sheep and move out." to, you know, California or- Oh yeah, that's interesting. Far from here. I begged my mom, I was like, I don't want to go to college. I had enough with scholarships to to cover my college though. And um, man, I did not want to go. I, I remember crying to her a week before. I was like, please, I don't want to go. I hate it. I hate it here. I don't want to, I don't want to be, I, I just let me go to LA. I want to get a normal job. I want to get into comedy. I don't want to be here anymore. Cause like since the time I was 12, I was making no really like nine. I was making home videos. Mm -hmm. I was teaching myself how to edit on the computer. Right. I was a creative uh, bug. And then once I was able to drive, I, I never had any like real, I was never, I never had like friends or anything really. I had a couple buddies, but like, I always felt like a loner. I would like go to the thrift store by myself and I would get VHS tapes. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And uh, I didn't, I, dude, I got, I, I was like, what is this Reservoir Dogs? I'd buy VHS tapes for 25 cents. I remember Reservoir Dogs, it blew my mind when I was 16 because I put right. in the VHS tape uh, player after my parents went to bed. Mm -hmm. And I was like, you can make movies non-linear. You can have cussing oh, yeah. in them. Like I didn't, I never right. seen You have only watched like, like the Ten Commandments. Yeah. Dude, I never <laughs> seen anything hyper-violent like that. Right. And I've read the Bible. What year was this? Point. So I was 16, so this was 2000 and oh wow, six or seven, I guess. Wow. And then that that changed everything for me. And then I started writing tons of screenplays. That's yeah. why I started writing. Mm -hmm. And all I wanted to, so then I started making more sketches and putting them on YouTube and just uh, writing them all the time. Then I started performing in the pep rallies and at the talent show at my high school. I started doing stand up. I got banned from the only open mic <laughs> in my hometown. Nice. And I was just constantly, I just wanted to make stuff. And I didn't realize I was trying to like express myself, right? Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. So uh, I came out here and worked for funnier die for six months during college so you and you, you but i really get, only came out here to get, get off the into hook the comedy with your mom. scene what's that you didn't get off the hook with your mom she said no you're going to college i this is what i said to myself i said in i was mature enough to understand this in life you got to do some things that aren't for you mm -hmm. they're for other people yeah it's it's to make them happy, and you actually do you owe people in life. Right. My mother, I I bless her heart, I tore her stomach wide open, and she <laughs> did everything for me growing up, and she she loves me more than anyone in the world, uh, and I owed that to her. Right. It's, it's it was her wish, so I just I just did it. Uh, but I you know I I purposely kind of tanked my GPA <laughs> because I wanted to not have to use it. Mm. I was like I want my GPA to be bad. <laughs> 
I could have got above a 3.0 and I purposely didn't hand in something <laughs> on the last day because I knew it would get me below so a 3.0 so I can never say I had a 3.0. I have a 2.98. <laughs> oh, that's so funny. I purposely... How crazy is that? that it, that's so insane. But that that's just that. like hyper-intelligence. I mean, it's like... That no, but also yeah. like your, your, your fears and your obsessions are there from the beginning. Like you yeah. know that you don't want that path. Well, I didn't want... Um, I didn't want to have a plan B because I was like, if you... I yes. think if you have a plan B, that's just what you're going to do. Mm-hmm. Absolutely true. Isn't it like uh, people always... Uh, I've, I'm not the first to make this comparison, but it's be- it's in the dark night rises when he has to finally get out of the pit. He has to jump without the rope. Right. That's how he finally makes it. You can't have the rope tied yeah. to your back. You gotta, you can't have any of that. So then I, after I came out here, worked at Funny or Die at an internship for six months. Uh, they had no interest in hiring me after, obviously. I was, I was drunk all the time there. <laughs> mm. uh, a lot of writers were, but like, you yeah. know. I mean, it literally as soon as it was three o'clock and a lot of people left since uh, uh, Will Ferrell was sponsored by uh, Milwaukee uh, Bush. Was it Milwaukee? Uh, oh, that's uh, I think right. it was so funny. So y'all had uh, it at the office? Dude, there were pallets of it and it was warm. And I love w- warm cans of beer. Oh, that's perfect. I'm c- utter trash. <laughs> so I used to carry, I used to have tons of warm beer in the trunk of my car that oh, I would nice. drive around LA. I would stop, pull over and just like have a hot beer. It's okay if you drove with it. No, I did. I had tons of open <laughs> containers in my car. Oh, okay, okay. And cool. friends were like, what? There you go. You have to stop drinking and driving. And I'm like, all the cans are empty. Oh, I get that talk all the time. Don't worry. I feel you on that. <laughs> you guys I, was, uh, I was just nuts. Yeah. Mine's all like margarita cups. So how did you turn it around there like that the, the drinking and and was just yeah just so i was just drunk every night for like seven years and yeah. i just get obsessed i get obsessed with things like i saw i saw the whale so many times in theater that's not okay right you know so i i become obsessed with things and um, i mean you really can't you can't change really who you are but you can certainly change the things you think about. Mm. So if I'm going to be this type of person who becomes obsessed with things, like how can I miti- mitigate that? Like I can meditate in the morning. That calms my brain down. Um, what things am I going to obsess with? Oh, I'm going to try to write a, uh, this novel. I'm going to try to write uh, this screenplay. Yeah, I'm going an outlet to, for your mm-hmm. creativity. Right? Yeah. Like those- I'm going to read a lot. I'm going to make really good sketches that take a lot of time and effort. I'm going to, um, you know, I mean, a podcast is is easy, though. It's just it's just talking with your friends. That's but like in terms of a higher artistic thing for me to focus on. Right. I always have to have a bigger thing uh-huh. to really like hyper hyper focus. And I can get really lost in working on something, too. 18, 20 hours pass, and I am like a fucking lunatic to a fault right. working on something. Well, but that's so, kind of like. You know, using that as a superpower. Yeah, that. yeah, but the thing is, is like, it can go the other. It can, right, right, right. No, you want to harness it in this direction, mm-hmm. so it doesn't destroy you. Yeah. Yeah, I don't have alcoholism though. That's a totally different thing. Right. It was just you just like that. Yeah, dude. Like, if I go to the theaters, like I love Coke Zero. So when I go to AMC to go see some shitty movie that they put out, but I just love going to the theaters. I know you do too. I'll get the huge Coke Zeros. I'll have like four or five of those fuckers. Whoa. I love Coke Zero. Yeah, I do too. I right? have that. You get the flavored kind? I requested kind? it here at the office. It's We have some here. You get the flavored kind with the machine? You yeah, get I get the vanilla. <laughs> yeah. Or oh, cherry sometimes. I try to avoid the cherry though because uh, I'm having a baby and I heard the red dye like, you know, Turns them into flipper babies and stuff. Oh, that's funny. Oh. <laughs> Never heard of that. <laughs> but yeah. Oh, wow. 
Okay. So then I like going to the, I I want to go to the movies just so I can get a soda. I I I cuz I'm trying to compartmentalize mm-hmm. cuz I can't have it in the house. Yeah. Cuz then I'm going to drink if I have the, one I you're going to yeah. nonstop it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's called whale maxing. It's a real thing. Yeah, wow. Yeah, I think <laughs> not for me the the theater is like for other people I always say like other people went to church, I went to the movie theater and they mm-hmm. had this that a similar experience in the sense of like community and it's like a place that I'm happy and feels like home. So I don't mind going to see something that is stupid. I, I don't care. That's interesting you say that because that's the reason I stopped going to church because my family moved and I was still stuck at the university in my hometown. And I knew if I didn't go to church by myself for the first time when I was 19, that someone would call my dad. Oh, wow. Because they all they all know Christian? each other. Yeah, how'd you know that? I just know the school. Oh wow, yeah, yeah. they're D one. I played yeah, exactly. golf for one year. <laughs> Not really. Oh, I, I got really fat and I stopped playing golf completely. Wait, but I was all state in high school. You're an NCAA athlete. I technically was. Yeah, that's awesome. Even though I never competed. Oh yeah, <laughs> that's crazy. <laughs> I was just on the team. No, I just and remember I was, like, really fat, and I was like, yeah, I don't think this was for me. <laughs> and he's like, when's the last time you touched a club? I'm like, I got really depressed like all summer, and I didn't pick up a club for four months. He's like, yeah, I mean. You know, yeah. Not, he was a super nice guy. Though. Yeah, super nice. The, the coach was. And did you have friction with your house when you stopped going to church? Oh yeah. Mm. I mean, it was a, it was a huge, yeah, huge battle. You know, but, uh, you know, you 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 really intimidate people by. Uh, so the th- the thing that uh, a lot of conservative Christians believe is that you can only find happiness through Christ. And it's very intimidating to them if you if you're happier than them without Christ, right? Quote unquote. And I I am by the way I am Christian to a degree, right? I am not I am not atheist. I'm I am flirting now with uh, being a Gnostic Christian. I've been reading the Nag Hammadi and the Gnostic texts. Okay, right. So <laughs> I, I I'm not shitting on uh, religion, but whatever sect of Christianity someone is, they typically believe that you can't fully be happy. And then, so if you if you actually are just happy, it has a great impact on those people, whether you know it or not. Mm. And then they start to kind of reevaluate the things or, they- Did that happen they, in your family? Yeah, it did. It oh, did. Wow. They've chilled out a little bit. Oh, yeah. that's cool. Yeah. I, so, yeah. And I love them. Yeah. I love them so much. Right. That's cool that like you have a good relationship with them and you have love for them, even though they're- It's not a great relationship, but- Well, I mean, you have love better. for them. better. Yeah, that's cool. At least though. it exists. Exactly. Right. It could very well not exist. I'm sure there's a Easily. million people Easily. who- Oh, and there's a million also yeah. like, yeah, if you're a Scientologist, they they'll never talk to you or mm-hmm. whatever. Like, Yeah, it seems like a very mature like, yeah. way it's gone Yeah, through. you, ha- you even have Even if to. secretly your parents will like you to, you know, see the light at the end and say, oh, you're- Finally, you're mm-hmm. not gay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. I used to fake come out on Facebook all the time. Oh, and that's so good. My parents were like, "Why are you doing this?" Because I would just, I would have a that's long so thing. I would put it on Facebook. We're like just 17. trying to provoke. I would say, "Hey, I want everybody to know. Uh, I, f- I, I. It's really hard to admit this, but I'm gay, <laughs> and I met someone I really like, and I'm moving, and I would just name a place. Right. I'm dropping out of school." I'm going to, uh, so funny. I, I, they're the love of my life. And uh, I would just write this whole sincere thing. And my relatives would all start calling my parents like, what is wrong with Ben? They're like, he's joking. And they'd be like, what's the That's joke? No joke. <laughs> right. They're like, I don't know. He just thinks it's he funny. Got, 
I would yeah. do this like every three months. I would come out again. And I would <laughs> your family will be up in arms. Yeah, that was your joke. Is like you want everybody to be riled up. Yeah, just, <laughs> that's the thing. Is like I'm like, oh, what's the thing you're not supposed to say that right, you're gay? Yeah, yes. Well, I'm gay then. <laughs> right, oh right, yeah, right. Is, Hi, everybody. Do you I'm have an gay. issue with context? Because that's something we've talked about. I think I talked about this with. Uh, Are you asking me if I have Asperger's? <laughs> no, Do you I have an issue with context. <laughs> I have an issue with context where I feel like I get upset in my heart when I can't say the thing I want to say because of where I am. Basically, mm. like if I'm on a plane, I have to say bomb. Like that's like the. <laughs> yeah. Well, I did that a couple of weeks ago, but that is like that's just like a random example. Yeah. I, Do you have ODD? Opposition defiance disorder. I have a friend who, if you tell him to do something, he's like, "Well, I'm gonna." His name's Joey Lafleur. Mm-hmm. Like, Joey be like, "Well, I'm gonna do that thing then." <laughs> he's I, like, "Well, you, you tell me, I I can't say bomb. Well, I might, I might say bomb. Maybe <laughs> I have something like that. I definitely feel like I don't. Is it like a comedic thing? You just wanna. It's not for anyone except for myself. Right. And then, like, uh, you know, I want to tell you about it a day later. Right, right. Like, right. even with like, uh, like going to, going to work, sometimes I'll be like. Well, why can't I have half a white claw in the car? <laughs> I'm like, F y'all. Like, right. like, why do I need li- like license plates? Like, yeah, you just like define th- the rules, whatever social rules there are. Yeah, I just want to break them a little bit as a sign of like slight disrespect. Like yeah. just slight disrespect. Like as an irreverence to, to things. Yeah, like when I'm on the east side, which I live in now, like the Silver Lake, Los Feliz area, I love speeding. I love like because everyone there drives so slow and I'm like you hipster little bitch and I love just driving really fast like blasting like ridiculous like Houston rap music I just want to be kind of it's like uh, the non-lame edgelord is what I'm trying to get at interesting yeah were you like that like the fine rules because I mean obviously as a conservative Christian like in that education they're like Everything has rules. You can't, the can do is or like, right? Like it's some. Well, yeah, that's the whole conflict of the whale, right? Right. <clears throat> is that you can't be gay and that's why they're there. Right. That's the whole, it's the, it's because of the dogma. And I believe Samuel Hunter, his name just came to me, the guy yeah. who wrote yeah. the whale. I know it's Sam H. <laughs> he got, he was gay, raised in Idaho. He's raised conservative Christian, excuse me. Mm. And I mean, I'm well maxing. Yeah, <laughs> trying to digest. <laughs> I will say that is, I'm I'm never gonna do that again. <laughs> I, get, for the and I get it. <laughs> I get it. Uh, uh, he was raised conservative Christian, and he was gay, and he knew from a young age, and he got very overweight, and he said that he quote unquote had an off ramp, uh, an emotional off ramp, meaning he had people around him that supported him. And And so luckily he didn't go down that road. Yeah. And he was like, well, what if I write a character where there is no off ramp, which I think a lot of writers do that because I know Paul Schrader did the same thing with taxi driver as he saw himself becoming this bitter guy in LA. He was like, exercise all his, exercise all his demons. He wanted to see what would happen if I actually became this guy I feel like I'm becoming. And it scared him so much when he wrote the script in 15 days, he goes, oh my, it scared him back the other way. Yeah. What do you guys think happened to all the other characters at the end of the movie? So at the end of the movie, when Charlie sees the bright light, that's the those are the fires of hell. Okay, he, he died and he went to hell. He went to hell, mm-hmm. and then what happened to everybody else? Uh, they all they were gay too. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's yeah. I think Ellie. It's open to interpretation, but I think Ellie's actually. Uh, I think the damage is done there, and I yes. think she's a girl who will be you know 
dissecting cats in her shed and doing God knows what else. And she's going to end up on the news or something. And, you know, yeah, there's no redemption. There's no, she'll be some sort of thrill seeking, um, you know, person who wants to go 140 miles per hour on, on the, she'll, her life will be like Grand Theft Auto five, you know, <laughs> she'll be driving around the city, just, you know, whipping into pedestrians oh, and, awesome. and whatnot. She thinks life is a video game. Okay. Yeah. What about Liz? Uh, Liz, the, the Asian lady, the, the nurse, she, she, hmm. What does happen to her? Well, this okay, so took she... a, like a weight out of her, I mean, uh, out of her <laughs> sh shoulders, or is it like, you know. I think she dies did... very bitter. Yeah, I think she has a miserable life in Idaho. She looks for the next person to take care yeah. of. She's one night. of the worst characters, actually. She's like, um, she's like Mephisto. She's Mephisopheles. She does the devil's bidding. Mm. He is, you know, this dark force. He represents the unconscious and the uh, the personification of the elements with the yeah. unconscious. And she makes sure that that whale is fed. I she's I a have total an alien, which is way those, worse than the, Charlie. When I see those scenes, I have mixed feelings because yeah, she understands him and he he she also. Yeah, grants his wishes, right? No hospital because he doesn't want to spend the money. He's dying, so whatever. Mm. He's hungry, so let me get him this two meatball sandwiches, you know? So she's enabling him to do that. And at the same time, like, what else is there for her to do? You know, what could she do? But but also, is it is it because she couldn't feed her brother? He wouldn't eat. So this is kind of her redemption. Yeah. She's you know what I mean? To path. like, hey, I'll, mm. I'll just feed this guy like this. And then I feel like I've done something or I've made a difference or, or something. Right. That almost seems too A to B for me for like this story. Like it almost seems like it has to be more nuanced than that. Like I do, I more agree that she's like, she's just the ultimate enabler. Like there's not like much going on in her head other than like a misery kind of person, like a miserable human who's just not asking questions, just doing their job. To it's, me, it's the mother archetype, mm. sadly. I mean, I probably shouldn't think of a mother that way, but yeah, to me, that's what a mother is. It's someone who's like very sad, who uh, empties her entire life into the uh, another person, and then oh, it's, gosh. it's just a shell of a human being by the end. Mm. So sad, yeah. yeah. So sad, <laughs> oh, so brutal. Right, that's what I'm saying. Like this movie is yeah. not to watch. It's not for watching multiple times. Not because it's not a good movie. But I like the idea of watching. Uh, like uh, I like what tragedies ben are so funny. Though. Yeah, that's what I was saying about. Ben <laughs> but that's like a real thing. We smile during tragedy. We talk about 9/11 more than people at the Pentagon here. Like, right. it, like we really do. We're like obsessed with 9/11. Like I'm obsessed with these things. What happened on 9/11? Yeah. Well, I always talk about 9/11. I love it. But like more. <laughs> my thing is like i like what ben was saying about like wanting to just like stare at like the disgusting like uh humanity of the whale like wanting to like entrench yourself i feel very similarly but not with like disgusting like things but with like thrill seeking with some sort of like gnarliness like holes in the night yeah holes in the night that's right <laughs> but like i but like that story i told on bad friends where like you know, I, I saw some during COVID, I saw some uh, ladies of the night that weren't <laughs> ladies and I, I, I left my door unlocked and one got in and we got too close for comfort. And I was like, please get out. Like, I like getting to that. You, you put yourself into that, you know, I would just uncomfortable position on purpose. A million percent. Like, uh, <laughs> 
this is, I mean, people are going to call me a fucking idiot asshole for this, but whatever. I would turn off my lights on my motorcycle and drive like that at night just to see what would happen. And I would run from the police. Like, there's just something about, like, embracing the gnarliness of life that is probably suicidal, but it seems to be that, like, I don't know. I just want to, like, touch the edge for some reason. You're Taylor Kish in uh, season two of True Detective. <laughs> Doesn't he have gay tendencies too? He does. Okay, thank you. I, it, it seems you might be interested in uh, stretching the limits of your own uh, ability. I well, I'll say this: I feel like I have done that in my life. Like I've always felt like, oh, I was supposed to go nowhere, all these things. So I feel like I have stretched the limits of my ability in my brain, and then you know, in other ways as well. Yeah, I always think I I'm way too normal to work with you. <laughs> so we, we've worked together for years. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. I'm way too normal. Because every time he comes, like, you know, there's no way I can top his stories. It's like, mm -hmm. it's always like, oh, my life is pretty that simple. You know? <laughs> I, um, well, okay. Last, last, well, two more questions. One, about the format. Because you don't see four by three movies like Square. Yeah, I, that, it's fun. Yeah. That, what do you think of it? Because you're more of a cinematographer type of guy. I I thought the reason for me was, okay, this is the opposite of a of a western, right? This is the opposite of a place where I can show a few a, a big right. landscape. I yeah. want to be on someone's face in a tiny space, mm -hmm. so that way I don't have to. You know, I have more room to show. I, I have a little more verticality and less space to show around me. So I have, you know, the room doesn't seem so small. I think that as a practical thing, I thought it was the decision to just okay, I'm gonna be on basically his face the whole time mm -hmm. and there's nothing around this house that is that interesting to to mm -hmm. show wide um you're just kind of seeing the contents of his life right really it's sad. Like, so yeah i i like the, the, the bird on the plate i mean it's so sad. right it oh. makes it feel a little more artsy for some reason i don't know that was the standard you know format because the opposite would be something like mm, the hateful eight which also course, happens yeah. in in one room basically but it's yeah. all the the set was built to be so panoramic it, it definitely yeah. you know what now that i think about it that three by four that is that square that he lives in on the internet too. right yeah yeah he's he yeah, exactly the same thing yeah. yeah it's like all all like that and i thought it was it was interesting it didn't it did i because he doesn't exist in real life he's yeah yeah he's that shadow and I thought, well, I don't know if people are turned off by this. Mm -hmm. If it's like when someone, something is not according to, you know. Probably not if you saw the whale, I think. But I, I thought it was, yeah. it worked well. Maybe maybe Darren Aronofsky was like, look, it just makes him look fatter. <laughs> right, right, right. If smaller screen makes him look bigger. So and it's I funny mean, to me. Is this your. <laughs> yeah. Well, I was going to say, I saw, I finally saw Oppenheimer. Right. I I, I watched it on my iPad twice. Oh. I loved it. <laughs> and I and, and I was David Lynch walks in and shoots him in the head. <laughs> but I wanted to be like he watched it on his iPad. I, I watched but it Christopher on my Nolan, Apple Watch. I was like, what's up with the 70 millimeter? I was like, the whole movie's like 70 millimeter IMAX. That was shot like it was crazy. I was like, no, I didn't need this. I have an iPad. It's like from two years ago. I loved it. I and had it subtitles on. It fits. I watched it on a plane too. Yeah. I I I mean, I think that's a well, man, a different conversation. That's a movie worth watching. Big. I, I thought it was really well done. Yeah, you can't watch that on a phone. I I, I feel like yeah. it kills the. It's one of those things that are very visual. I uh, was literally watching it on my phone too. <laughs> 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 Jeez. 
You're um, and you're watching it vertical too, where you have yeah, two like, big black like, black spots on either side. Like you didn't even fucking turn it. No, what's funny is what with those movies. No, I turn it uh, horizontal, uh, not horizontal, vertical. Landscape. Uh, so, oh, you turn it vertical. Yeah, so I can do other things too. If like I get a text, <laughs> yeah. I scroll up and I go, oh, Andres. <laughs> no you're All watching right. a line writer <laughs> videos below it. My my. Yeah. Watching Family Guy clips. <laughs> yeah, right like below. naked Lois or something. <laughs> No, that's that's like speaking in, in in church, you know, and like playing. You, that's how I feel like you disrespect in the the art. Form. Oh, don't worry. On Christmas, when I do go to church, I will be watching Oppenheimer <laughs> right. on my phone oh, for book. sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, uh, two more questions. One, like, is this your favorite Ar- Aronofsky movie? Oh yeah, yeah, for sure. But you know what? I actually and uh, I just I've never got around to actually watching Pie yet. And my friend told me that I would be obsessed with pie if I saw because it. also but I've pie- seen Requiem for a Dream hundreds of times, <laughs> and I, I've yeah I've seen. Well, they have Requiem the connection with the addiction. Yes. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, and and um, uh, Black Swan I thought was great, was terrific. Yeah. Uh, the Wrestler is to me a per- like absolutely perfect. Agreed. Film. Yeah. All the- it's a better movie than The Whale by. Uh, for sure. There's just something about this that connects. Yeah. yeah. People don't get that. Like, favorite doesn't mean I think it's the best of thing ever not. made. Like, it connects you. You know, I always think like there is a th- certain genesis qua about yeah. something that speaks to you. You're drawn to, st- you, don't, you don't get to choose what you dream. Right. You don't get to choose any of this stuff. Right. You don't and get to choose why you like vanilla over chocolate. It just, it's just yeah. the way it fucking is. I'm sorry. I, I agree, I agree. I think the analytical part gets to just this part. I mean, you can appreciate something and not be your favorite or not like mm-hmm. it. Um, what about you, Carlos? The Wrestler. The Wrestler, okay. Yeah, I saw it at the Arclight. I thought I saw it by myself, and I was just like, this is... I don't know. I Before that, there were only a couple movies that I could remember that are just like, it's about a guy going through some shit, his life is changing, and this is the exact realistic version of that. It reminded me of like the Limey by Steven Soderbergh, like completely different story, obviously. Yeah. But still like this shaky cam right in your face. This is exactly like, these are the, this guy's like terrible two weeks. Yeah. This guy's life. Here you go. What I really appreciate with him is that he really doesn't impose this preconceived style that we think of him to, to each movie. A like million he, percent. he really changes the, you know, he, he thinks about a movie differently and then he does a different style for each movie. And that's pretty cool because Pi Pi does feel closer to like Requiem for a Dream mm-hmm. in terms of the the shoot style. I think it's amazing. I, I saw it when I was in college and it's like one of those movies that I mean he made it for sixty thousand dollars or mm-hmm. something like that. What what'd you guys think of Mother? And Mother. How you I guys never think saw Mother? Mother. Never saw it. Oh, yeah. I, I recommend it because especially I think I would I say it to you movie. because Mother if this is a metaphor. I mean, mother is a different type of metaphor. It's a it's a metaphor about creation, mm-hmm. and it's basically earth and God, and you know you have all the the Genesis um, instances of the Bible in the movie as metaphors, mm-hmm. and people really hated it. But in terms of filmmaking, I think it's so powerful. Okay. Yeah, I, I don't know why people hate that because it's like mother with like. You know, lowercase and, uh, and an exclamation point. point, which is out. I think it was like Jennifer Lawrence. So Jennifer she might Lawrence, have like Javier annoyed Bardem. me that week. Oh, yeah. Javier Bardem's in it? See, yeah. I didn't see that part. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What, what's with people being like the reaction to any sort of study in semiotics where people go, oh, there's Christian elements in it, so I don't like it. It's like, so what? No, oh, I think people didn't understand it. Or, or, a million percent. Wait, were examples of that though? Like, oh, people... I mean, like, for instance, the whale being 
uh, literally a metaphor for Moby Dick. Mm, I see. And yeah. then like, dude, Herman Melville, he he never made any money and his friends finally talked him into quitting writing. Mm -hmm. And he, if you want to talk about someone living with ODD, people hated Moby Dick so much and thought it sucked so much ass at mm -hmm. that time. But first of all, anybody who makes a great work, they almost never get to live this to see it respected, mm. ever. Fucking ever, ever. There's They're like always listed as frauds and... Everybody who you think was like heralded in their day and everybody Doesn't loved. Doesn't matter with art form, you know, there's the People Van Goghs and the, No, you they know. hate. Yeah. Everybody thought Kurt Vonnegut was an idiot who right. made books for kids. Everybody mm. thought Herman, Herman Melville had to like, he quit writing the last 25 years of his life. People hated Moby Dick so much. He goes, all right, you hate that? I'm going to make Billy Bud, which mm. was basically uh, Moby Dick, but the guy's gay. <laughs> <laughs> So that's that's how much he was like, you don't like that weird shit. I'm gonna like, get even. Double I love that. I love that. Yeah, I love doubling down. Yes, but it, if yeah. you're a like true artist, usually you are a little bit ahead of your time, and, yes. and usually has that. I mean, only a few artists get and, to live and like. And here's what's beautiful about that is like guys like Cormac McCarthy were so inspired by uh, Moby Dick. Cormac McCarthy, he was our Faulkner. He yeah. recently passed away. Uh, that uh, Moby Dick was the greatest inspiration for, for Blood him. Meridian. Yeah. And a, a lot of people think some experts, uh, excerpts from Blood Meridian are kind of just straight up lifted from, uh, from, from Moby Dick. Yeah. Uh, but he read that book every single year. And this is a guy who probably read 25,000 plus books in his lifetime. Yeah. That's so that's, that's how special these works are. Right. There's also a great chapter in Moby Dick. I think it's like chapter six where a preacher is telling us uh, the story of Jonah and the whale. And it's mm. one of the most beautiful things I've ever seen. And you, I mean, clearly Moby Dick is based off of, uh, is heavily influenced by Jonah and the whale. Yeah. You absolutely. Can, like these things, they go and, and back infinitely. I mean, I, you I can't don't reject know. something because it has Christian elements in it. This is the- No, it's insane. This yeah. is what life is. Absolutely. Things aren't born from nothing. And 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 also like it's a part of our culture. It's engraved. It's like if you study any sort of history or art history, mm -hmm. like if there if you there was no from religion, everybody you love, you know? Absolutely. And like I mean, in an artist world like Picasso used to say, like, you know, uh good artists uh borrow, great artists steal. Exactly. You know, like just like take it and mm -hmm. Tarantino, yeah. Right. Absolutely. So many things he does is are an homage. Oh, a million percent. Right. And yeah. taking it and like doing it your way, I think unapologetically it's 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 fine. I mean, you talk to some, you know, great musicians and they go, oh, I was just trying to, like you, uh, Kurt Cobain was like, uh, do people not realize I'm just trying to make a Pixies record? Because <laughs> right. mm -hmm. I love the Pixies. Yeah, yeah. And they go, oh, how are you doing this new thing? And he's like, geez, I thought everybody thought I was going to say I'm just like a copycat. Right. Or something. You Which know? shows you, you should, you should just do it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You should just go after things if you're creative and like let the inspiration flow. Yeah, you got to create in a vacuum, man. You can't, you can't create anything with the idea of having some sort of uh, validation. Oh, no. At the end. I Thing. it's different but it's the same as like science you build on someone else's work before mm -hmm. you know and like with with art is the same like and you, you can't cannot... imagine the reaction to it as you're doing it you know as yeah to, you know and every successful filmmaker you know you think like taxi driver oh well this is a personal film i didn't know that this wouldn't have any impact you know and mm. or you know and it a changed lot of... cinema right <laughs> it changed the country had it such a big cultural exactly impact. and there's a lot of the 
big movies are like that. It's like, oh, Star Wars is like, well, he was hitting Hawaii thinking mm -hmm. everybody's going to hate this thing and nobody thinks that it's like, everybody was like, oh, nobody above 12 is going to watch this movie. Yeah. Uh, and it was like, oh, wait a second. Now another chapter in mm -hmm. film history. So you never know. You, yeah, you, ne you never know. And I think Sorcerer came out at that time too by Friedkin. Oh, right. All and of every, no things. one understood that movie at all. And it's <laughs> it's incredible. That's an incredible movie that it still goes like, you still know, underappreciated. Yeah. And it never will be appreciated, but it's so good. It's a, it's a great movie. It's, it's a, a masterpiece. Yeah. yeah. But people go, so it's, the movie's called Sorcerer. Yeah, uh, it's, it's, it's it has a weird title of Star Wars. <laughs> right, right, right. Uh, he doesn't even know why he called it Sorcerer. I think because the whole movie is about uh, they're basically alchemists. Yeah, because they're going to get this other material to change this uh, combustible. And fire. It's, so it was already a remake of something that was already successful. So it was. Yeah. Oh, I didn't even know that. Yeah, yeah, that's great. Anyway, I mean, with with Aronofsky, there's a lot of religion because like mother has a lot of like you know connotations with religion. Obviously, this this movie. Um, by the and, way, speaking of speaking of a uh, Schrader, yeah, Schrader, who I I Is love that, him. I dear, I love him. No, so I I him. bet now I I know you're now you're gonna go with the dark. I people. love first yeah. reform <laughs> right. like that. Look, Paul Schrader to me is a genius. Yeah. Did you see the interview? Because I know you love Tarantino. Yeah. The Schrader asked, or Tarantino called Schrader, and I don't think Schrader was supposed to say this to. Uh, the the press but you know he's he's old right he doesn't he, even know his does... facebook is public <laughs> he doesn't know the internet is the internet he right. thinks it's like his his diary or something he just, <laughs> made, a, he just made a movie called like something gardener oh yeah uh, the gardener uh the uh the gardener yeah i it saw was it pretty good yeah it's part of the trilogy yeah it's based off of a uh, pickpocket mm -hmm. which is a Amazing, which all of his movies, but again, going to people referencing other things. If you see Pickpocket, Amazing that's every movie. single Paul Schrader film is basically Pickpocket. Mm, right? Okay. The guy influence. alone in a room writing in a, his diary. So much. With some much major influence for such a small movie. Yeah. Uh, but uh, Tarantino called him and asked if he could remake shot for shot the final scene in Rolling Thunder when they shoot up the brothel, when Tommy Lee Jones right. and that soap opera stars shoot up that brothel. And Tarantino's final movie is called The Critic. The Critic. Mm -hmm. I think it's I think it's about Paul Schrader. If you look at the timeline of everything. That's going to be interesting. The, who, what two people have completely revolutionized cinema uh, in the past 50 years. Paul Schrader is one with Taxi Driver. And then the next person was Pulp Fiction had a major cultural impact yeah. when Tarantino put... The, I mean, there were so many copycats and everything after that, right? Uh, yeah. So Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, I think, was Tarantino's love letter to Hollywood and how much Absolutely. he loves it. I think The Critic is going to be about how much he hates Hollywood. Interesting. I think The Critic might be this Paul Schrader character because Paul Schrader was a was film a critic. critic before he yeah. started making films. And he thought at that time he might become this Travis Bickle taxi driver guy. Yeah. So I'm wondering if The Critic is some sort of movie where... There's this there's this movie critic who's like the uh, like a nihilist weirdo freak guy, and he goes into the Hollywood Hills and is like killing these celebrities, or that he goes to like the, the Oscars that he chose. And just kills everybody in the Oscar, like in the Dolby Theater. Oh, that's yeah, something yeah. we've actually talked about um, when we. I think uh, we were talking about what terrorist act we would want to do the most, <laughs> and I said <laughs> I would want to throw C four into the Academy Awards and shoot everyone. <laughs> By the way, the, the like uh, the opinions of the members of the group, you know, doesn't, you know, we no, do sure. not condemn, sure. con condone them as a, as a part of the Sabinecki's family. Yeah. 
Anyway, uh, final question. Why do people who haven't seen The Whale uh, should watch The Whale? I mean, you probably shouldn't see it. <laughs> it's a great, great endorsement. No, there's, there's better. There's better. Look, uh, the way I am in life, I think uh, you gotta, you gotta be like a magnet, and your magnet's gonna attract certain things, mm. and just you gotta be in tune with that, and you gotta let things, uh, certain bodies of work from people, you gotta let those things smack into you and hit you. You can't go force yourself to sit down and watch something that you know you're probably not not really drawn to for whatever reason. So, you know, I mean, that might not, it might just be an upsetting thing and you don't really learn anything and you kind of forget it. So, but if you're like me and uh, especially if you love, if you, I'd say if you love literature, you should definitely go see it. Cool. Because that is, it's definitely a warning call to a lot of people who avoid life through, uh, literature they think if they can understand other characters and their stories that they can yeah um, get the secret they think their life. knowledge will mm-hmm. save them i guess right. and it's it from it leaving won't. and all the stories are very important for navigating your own life mm-hmm. um but i mean you know you still you can't i mean look at charlie's literally immobile he's <laughs> right. immobile you know yeah so and they never by the way they never show how he how he takes shits it never I know, I was, or pisses i'm not upset about that <laughs> I really wanted to see that. I kind of wanted why, to see him, see him take a shit too, actually. That's why I think you should watch it, which is I think you should watch everything gnarly, mm. everything crazy. Like if it scares you, jump right into it. And that brings me back to like your thing of like wanting to see the intensity of life and the grossest stuff ever. It's like, oh, you want to look life in the eye. Exactly. Yeah. Like I, I want to die knowing like I did everything. And that includes having to see the whale. Yeah. <laughs> like that's, <laughs> yeah, that's well, one of them. I think if I'm so bored mm. by most things and when I see something, I, there's two things I love about a work of art. One, when I go, I've never seen anything like this before. Mm-hmm. And then the second thing that really makes it for me, I go, wow, only that person could make that. Oh, I like that. That's, That's cool. what I really, when I read a book or watch a movie or anything, I go, only that person could have made that thing. Yeah. Whether or not it's good or bad, right. if I can feel that in boys. my fingers, mm-hmm. that's what is electric to me and makes me come alive the way the characters are, are coming alive. And then it's only, it's a cherry on top if also it's like, you know, sort of transfiguring some pain within me unconsciously because mm-hmm. I'm not in control. None of us are in control. We're not, we think that uh, this, uh, our mind is con- controlling everything. Right. There's something else that's, that's driving us. Mm-hmm. And yeah, that's why all these instinct. stories and all these things are important and why we, we gravitate because it's speaking to something. It's speaking to that thing that dreams for us every night. Mm. The thing that's actually making the decisions well, for us. Interesting. Which is which is what Charlie embodies for uh, Ellie. He like I said, he's the, he's un- the driving force. He's the unconscious mind. Mm-hmm. The unconscious mind is generally represented by water. And Charlie is the elements therein. And it's it's controlling his daughter. Yeah, he's an ocean controlling her entire life, and look what it's turning her into. Mm-hmm. Ben, uh, do you want to plug anything? Uh, yeah, Patreon.com/slash Lemon Party is my podcast. I do it with my brother Jay Savory and Devin Casa. We get really wild over there. It's on YouTube, Apple, Spotify, uh, whatever. If you're sick of podcasts talking about the same things, we don't do that. We just try to be really funny and and uh, ridiculous and. Uh, we have a lot of fun so it's it's lemon party and if you want to support us on patreon it's patreon.com slash lemon party and we also uh we make comedy sketches too we uh 
so if you want to if you're into cinema and stuff i try to make them like mini movies i shoot them uh, yeah in the cinematic the wide uh, anamorphic bullshit yeah, the that, opposite of the yeah, whale the stuff that yeah and then i post them on twitter <laughs> defeats the, the purpose <laughs> yeah so uh yeah go you can go check out my uh, the lemon party sketches and the podcast i'd appreciate it yeah, yeah. there'll be and, a uh, link at ben avery is good as all my social media yeah you guys can uh, click the link in the description yeah oh thank you cool absolutely go watch ben's podcast <laughs> and yeah we'll you know watch watch the whale i think it has also beautiful performance great 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 acting i mean brendan fraser won an oscar for this it's a well really deserved. it's it's a yeah. master director and even if the movie i think is a little dark it's still worth watching and, and obviously inspires interesting conversations like you see and we'll see you guys next week on another episode of the <laughs>